Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad tonight, I don't Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here, either on Patreon, ad-free, and a day early, or wherever you get your podcast. My name is Kenny, and I'm joined by Mr. Finley Martin. And Finn, we're living in different worlds right now. I'm, I'm up here in Glasgow, but it's a little bit warm, and you're still feeling the winter down there in Lancashire. I couldn't believe we had the heating on last night. I'm sat here with my gloves on, my full winter gear. I've got my grandma blanket. I can't believe it. Medi-pro. And apparently it's going to warm up next week. You just told me before we started recording. So I'm going to be even more confused. Well, let me see, actually, because I was looking at Glasgow. Let me just put Lancaster, Lancashire, um, Lancashire, England. Oh, yeah, you guys have got it quite bad. Well, you know, so on Monday, you're meant to get sun and 15 degrees. Tuesday, you're meant to get 14 degrees. And next Friday and Saturday, 17 and 18 degrees. Oh, I'll settle for that. <laughs> so there you go. You just I've been eating get... me sun out and me sun cream. <laughs> well, you're also going to get sun on Saturday, 12 degrees. You just got to get through today. complaining, Kenny, and everything's just about to be wonderful. Well, you know, speaking of that. There's enough people complaining in the world, Kenny, without me adding my voice to it, even though I do, obviously, every week on this podcast. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, actually, because uh, our, our friend Tim over on this day in WWE, he uh, tweeted out that he loves our... Uh, well, he he called it expert analysis. I think that's probably more from you than from me. But um, he he was saying he loves listening to the podcast and that we're quite level headed with our review. But then he put up a short audio clip of your review of the uh, Trish and Becky versus Raquel and Liv match. And um, yes. when you hear it just in that part, it's very funny because very rarely do you just lose the will about something. But we got it in that match. 
So, um, yeah. I actually wait till I came up with like um, I just did what's just wrote what's going down yesterday, so the magazine's finished now. Uh-huh. So I actually found a new way to phrase it in print, <laughs> and that is one of the big challenges of the job at the moment. Is that obviously you review things here on the podcast, mm-hmm. but then you're writing about the same things in the magazine, and you can't just use the same language. No. So that's the challenge now. So, um, but I found a different way to cover that match in the magazine. Um, yeah. So you know, we'll look forward to that. And you know, the the magazine with covers now out. The cover that you your masterpiece cover with Reigns and Cody. It looks fantastic. Um, which is up for pre order now. Actually, if you head over to InsideTheRopesMagazine dot com, we've got a uh, you know the the cover there with Reigns and Cody from WrestleMania. Reigns retains a good alliteration there. Um, yes, loads of stuff in it. You've got the Vince selling WWE, AEW heading to Wembley, betrayals. Got the, Brian Solomon did the 25 best heel turns in wrestling. You've reviewed NXT, uh, stand and deliver. Um, there's loads and loads of stuff in, in this issue. So, obviously, in our big WrestleMania review, big WrestleMania review from Tom Fordy, he does like six pages on that. So, it's a really good issue to kind of get all that weekend and you know the the fallout obviously as well with the endeavor sale the next day do you know what did the endeavor sale or merger sorry on the day after wrestlemania did it remind you of the day after wrestlemania 19 when we got the press release for global force wrestling (laughs) seems to be the day after wrestlemania is the day to make those big announcements oh yeah global force wrestling cash for gold um but uh (laughs) You know, I'm sure Jeff got some sales from those mouse mats and mugs that he sold on the internet. Yeah. Um, was that WrestleMania 29, not 19? 20, yeah, 29, sorry. 29. 29. I've got I 19 WrestleMania in the break. 19 seemed a bit early. Yeah, so I was watching a, a retro, one of the retro Smackdowns falling out from WrestleMania 19 last night. So it's in the brain. Um, but anyway, there's loads of wrestling news to talk about. Uh, I did just want to give a, sh- uh, a shout out to, we got the return of Jeff Hardy last night on AEW Dynamite. He made a return to save Matt Hardy from the firm. And, um, well, not the firm, from from, from Ethan Page. So, it's, you know, so basically we, we've got the, the idea that he's coming back because obviously we've got Big Bill, Lee Moriarty and all that, all those lads um, taking out Matt. Jeff makes the save. Um, we've seen throughout the years that WWE and now AEW have all kind of, you know, let it go with Jeff. He always yeah. gets another chance. He always gets a chance yes. to come back. And I mean, it's one of those things. He looked really good. He looked in really good shape. He always looks in good shape, though. Like he's sure he does. Of course he does. He's someone who really manages to, to keep. So I mean, it must be a tough spot for. I mean, let's let's just bypass the idea that he gets another chance because he always does, right? And it's just wherever he goes, he gets it. But it's got to be a tough thing if you're Tony Khan and you're bringing him back because you're paying him all this money. Because you don't really want to put him in a super high-profile position because of his track record. But then, you know, if you put him in this kind of nothing thing, it's it's hard. What do you do with a Jeff Hardy in 2023, do you think? Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think it was 20 years next month that he was fired for the first time by WWE. I think it was May 2003. Yeah, yeah, May 2003 was the first time when he was let go because they'd, they'd asked him to go to rehab numerous times and he refused. Yeah. And um, it just got worse and worse and worse, so he was let go in May of 03. Exactly, and there'd been a lot of problems prior to that, which they'd 
kind of hushed up and, you know, did a very good job concealing from the public. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, this was WWE at the time, just felt like this, you know, this is an ultimatum. We've, we have to give Jeff. You either have to do this or we just cannot have you under contract anymore because there are problems. Yeah. And obviously this was a very bad time in pro wrestling 20 years ago when we had a lot of drug deaths. I mean, really terrible, wasn't it, Kenny, between like 90, say 99 and 2007? I mean, that was when it was epidemics proportions, wasn't it? Was, it? it was dozens of people. Yeah, was, I mean, maybe actually think- ah, going back maybe to 97, 98. I mean, it was really, really bad time for the business. And that was the culture. There was a drug culture there. I mean, and you see now that it's it's not there to anywhere near the extent that it was 20 years ago. We know this because people aren't going into rehab all the time. Well, and Lance, Lance, of- sorry, 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 just just to back up back up your point, Lance Storm has said recently that he because I think there'd been a question online about, you know, what what has made wrestling better in that sense, you know, of like what 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 was the biggest thing? And Lance Storm said he believes the the, the drug policy in 07 has got a big part to do with, you know, people not being able to do it as freely as they did before. And it's saved a lot of lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely has. And I just think it's a culture thing, isn't it? Where it's not acceptable for people to be passing out and people aren't covering for each other like they used to. And there's just not, it's a different generation of talent who don't, it's not normalized to take drugs. Obviously, some people still do, but we know it's nowhere near as bad as it was 20 years ago because happily, you know, very few people pass away from drugs in wrestling. 20 yeah. years ago, it was it happened all the time. Um, so, I mean, with Jeff, I mean, I watched the, um, the segment in which he returned. Um, there was uh, Ethan Page in the ring and Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy were ringside and they're breaking away from Ethan Page and the firm. And uh, did you see Big Bill do the running, Kenny, and ram Isaiah Cassidy into the ring apron? I mean, I think Cassidy was okay. Luckily. He might not not have been. I mean, that was reckless, wasn't it? Which is weird because because as far as I'm aware – through kind of secondary thing, when when Big Bill was W Morrissey and Impact, he was okay. Like he wasn't like what? How is he? How is he doing stuff like this now? Is what I don't understand because he's been doing this long enough to know better. Exactly. There was that episode, wasn't there, in the Battle Royal with uh, Jungle Boy, where he slammed him against the apron again, and I think Jungle Boy was okay, but it looked it looked nasty, didn't it? That spot, yeah. that bump. So um, so. Big Bill and Lee Moriarty came out. They beat down Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy. Hook came out. Um, he was also beaten down. And then that was the cue for Jeff Hardy to make his return, wielding a chair, which he had painted himself. Uh, I thought the camera work was terrible, actually, here, Kenny. Really terrible. Really bad. I mean, they just kept cutting when they should have just kept the camera on Jeff. And they were moving from camera to camera. And uh, Jeff you, re- was- you really hope the guy, the guy that they hired for production, didn't learn too much from Kevin Dunn in terms <laughs> of camera cuts. Because well, you know we're now it's like we've we had so long of, of you know feeling nauseous when exactly. stuff happened in WWE, and now it's fucking happening over in AEW as well. 
Exactly. I mean, he kept cutting. It's like, you know, this is a high speed, you know, sequence here. Stop cutting. Just stay on the the action. We kept missing what Jeff was doing. Happily, we saw the swan tone on Lee Mariotti. Um, you know, very healthy reaction to Jeff. I mean, as you say, he looked in great shape. It's very hard to say what happens next, isn't it? Because Jeff has screwed up so many times over the last 20 years. It doesn't mean he's going to again because everyone said that about Jake Roberts, didn't they? It's yeah. like, there's no hope for Jake. And then Jake, you know, quit everything and he's been on the straight and narrow now for 10 years. And well, there, there is that thing about if you're a big star in wrestling, you will get, you know, look at Randy Orton, for example. Randy Orton got away with so many things for so many yes. years that numerous other wrestlers would never have got away with. Yeah. And I think because Jeff is in such good shape and he's so popular. I mean, I don't want to really speak at a turn, but I heard more than one story in his WWE run from like 2017 to when he left of him being passed out. Like okay. it was he, so it was still happening. But you know, you know, wrestlers. I mean, you could say it's good or bad, depending how you feel about it. But wrestlers will take care of each other, and a wrestler will not allow one of their comrades to, you know, fall. They will protect them. So, you know, I'm sure an element of that has happened. It's probably not helped Jeff, but... Well, exactly, because you're enabling the guy. You know, I mean, but that's I, essentially what they were doing. I was just saying earlier that, you know, okay, yeah, people are looking after each other backstage, but if someone's in a total mess, I mean, you're doing that person more harm than good by covering for them and making excuses for them, aren't you? Yeah. But I mean, um, you know, so, but I mean, I remember when he was in TNA before the big incident in March of that year, there was all sorts of problems with Jeff there. People were talking about it all the time. And, um, you know, then he was sent home after the Sting match. He returned, I think it was about five months later. He'd been through, I think it was um, day rehab. He'd been through some type of rehab anyway. And it did seem in 2011 when he returned um, that he was in a much better place, and I'm sure he was. And obviously, people do have relapses. I get that, and addiction is a lifelong thing that he will battle. Um, but I mean, we don't know what's going to happen next with Jeff. I mean, I hope he holds it together. I hope he, I hope he rewards Tony Khan's faith in him with the strength to actually, you know, not make not commit any more drive well actually he can't drive now can he for 10 years can he so hopefully he's not going to be he's not going to be able to get get behind the wheel of a car until um what like 2033 which is kind of an amazing statistic when you think about it isn't it or maybe it'd be 2032 maybe the ban would have started following his arrest last year i'm not sure mm-hmm. um but i mean you, you you know you 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 want to think good things for jeff don't you you want the best for him because I think deep down he is a nice guy. Um, well, you, you've never I, heard you've never heard anything malicious about him. Like you've never no. heard that Jeff Hardy was a dick to anybody or anything. It's just he's got these demons in himself that he that he's battled. And you know, I I always think about um, and this is a very different example. So I'm not comparing Jeff to this person. But you always look at Tammy Sitch as Sunny, and she was such an effective valet in the '90s. She was really good, and then obviously the drug problems happened and she really fell apart. But I don't think we could have predicted how bad things were going to get in the 2010s and 2020s no. for her. 
and yeah. you see her, and now you're kind of desensitized to any news. When she was responsible for the death of that guy in the car accident, I don't think any of us were that surprised because we were so desensitized to all the stuff that she had done. Yeah, and I don't think there's a there's a way back for her. But I do think with Jeff, it would be really good to see him. You know, maybe if he can do a year or something, like do a run and then just kind of whether he goes, you know, total part time that he doesn't have to be on the road because the schedule of being a wrestler, especially in WWE all those years, has to be an attributing factor to sure. the teams, right? Sure. Yeah, but I mean, but you look at AEW and it's one two matches per week, isn't it? Yeah, I guess the thing is for him, it has to be how what can he do to have those one to two matches a week in front of a rabid crowd who gets to see so much high flying stuff. Like he has to almost work in a totally different style than he used to because he can't keep doing yeah. the mad stuff. I mean, you know, you look at Sting, Sting does enough that he hangs with the younger people and people go crazy for him. You know, sure. if he does. If he does one dive onto a bunch of wrestlers, which in, in effect is a safe spot to do, yes, we'll go mental for it. So it's just finding a safer spot, but then doing that after all these years of I'm the death defying guy is going to take an, an adjustment. But I think if he did it, it would be it would pay off in spades for him. I think he would. I mean, I think last year that's what he was doing. It was the famous match with Darby Allen, in which they took so many risks and took so many did so many ridiculous bumps, and I was just horrified by what was unfolding before me. And it was just as if they said to Jeff, "You just go out there and do whatever you want. You know, get as extreme as you want to get." And it's like to me, <clears throat> Jeff needs parameters. You know, he needs rules and boundaries out of the ring and in the ring as well. And you just need to say to him, right, we're only going to book you in the ring maybe twice a month tops. We don't want you, if you're going to dive off a ladder, it's going to be on a pay-per-view and it's going to be a couple of times a year, you know, tops. And we're going to look after you and we're going to essentially save you from yourself. And that's, I think, a lot of times what people like Jeff Hardy need. They need a strong, you know, voice of reason backstage. And Matt Hardy should be that person as well. I mean, Matt's been there throughout all of this. He's obviously had his own problems in the past. Yeah. And Matt should be saying to Jeff, no, you're not doing that. You know, this is this is just going to lead to a form of self-destruction. And we've been here too many times before. And if it happens again, you'll be fired. And, um, you know, it's going to be very bad for you in your life, in your personal life, you know, for your wife, for your kids. I mean, you know, his kids are old enough now to know what's going on, aren't they? They'll be secondary school age, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Around he, about that age, I think. And he's still with his wife that he's been with this whole time. Beth, I think her name is. Yes. So, yeah, I mean... But I look, mean, look I, at, you know, it's like, look at the big picture here. What's really important in your life now? You know, getting a cheap pop for doing a ridiculous stunt or being healthy for your family, for your friends, you know, and for your company as well, you know, represent your company as a professional and go out there and, you know, that's, you know, it's this, what happened last year has got to be terrible for his self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean, and obviously he was punished and deservedly so by the, by the courts because of the number of times he'd heard previously. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I feel like the sentence was justified 
but for him personally, you know, it's got to be a you know massive setback for him. And I'm sure he's wanting to try and rebuild his self-esteem. Now AEW has given him another chance. And I do think, you know, Tony Khan gets flack for different things, deserves some of the time. But I mean, I don't think Tony Khan's sitting at the back going, Jeff, do death-defying stuff. That's what we need from you. I think he's deciding to do it. So if he wanted to do a softer style, I don't think Tony Khan would have a problem with that. So I think, you know, he's got a perfect kind of place to do, what, what you know, to change his style up. And yeah, hopefully you can figure out a way to do it. Um, well, well, Tony just needs to tell him. If I was yeah. running AEW, I'd get Jeff in the office and say, Jeff, we don't, I don't want you doing any more of that stuff again. Your health is more important. And any stunts, we're going to go through them. We're going to make sure they're as safe as they can be. And they're only going to take place on pay-per-view. And they're going to yeah. be special. And that's just what I'd say to him. And I'd say, if you're not happy to go along with that, there's the door. You know, we'll pay you off. We'll reach a an agreement on a contract release. Those are the rules, and you're going to stick to them. The end. Well, it's like in WWE. Like, I mean, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but I, well, you know, Kurt Angle as an example in 2006, when Vince was saying, you know, you you need to go to rehab, you need to go and and Kurt Angle didn't want to do it. He was like, "Well, I'm letting you go. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be the person that is responsible for you doing something silly." So you kind of do need to have that. Absolutely, and, and it took Kurt until like what was it, twenty thirteen, to really get it. Yeah, took a long time. You know, and that was there was numerous incidents, and then, you know, he was it twenty thirteen. I think it was, wasn't it? I think it was twenty thirteen, um, where he he um, sought treatment, and uh, it it totally changed his life, and yeah. uh, he's been in a great place ever since, as far as I know. Yeah, but when when I was, you know, when I when I do these tours with the wrestlers, it's very apparent how they are. You, know, you can just tell. And Kurt was clean as a whistle. He was the cleanest guy ever. You know, there was, you know, he wouldn't even have a beer. He was just very kind of like clean. So, um, but anyway, we'll keep an eye on the Jeff Hardy situation. I do want to bring something up, then, but I feel like you're going to probably scream that I'm bringing this topic up to you. But okay. it's in the news, so I have to bring it up to you. We'll make it quick. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There is a report about CM Punk coming back to AEW. The idea that he wants to come back, he w- he's open to working with the elite, and it's more the elite do not want to work with him. Um, if you were Tony Khan, what do you do? Do you bring him back? Do you sort of tell everyone... You know, you need to work together, say to Omega and Bucks, you know, you're supposed to be executive vice presidents as well. 
That is one of your job roles, by the way, in case we forget. I mean, what does that entail, Kenny? Well, it should, what it should entail on a base level is doing the best thing for the company. Like, I agree. Do, I agree. That's, that's what it should should do. That is. But what exactly does it involve? What do they do in this role? You could hand me a Rubik's Cube, Finn. I'd probably be able to fix that quicker than answer that question. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, how many times did Vince hire back people that he couldn't stand or whatever because it would make money? And CM Punk, I'm not saying he would be, he would make money for them to the level of, it would double their income or anything, but he would definitely sell loads of merch. He would definitely yeah. pique some more interest in the product. Agreed. I mean, to me, though, like, I mean, I know that people are kind of want to see, and Dax Harwood was saying in his podcast, he was once said Punk wants to come back and, you know, Punk and FTR against the Elite would be good. But to me, what I'm interested in on screen with CM Punk is seeing him do stuff with other people because Punk's style is realism, is promos, is making you feel something. And I just think the elite are. And that's unfair to Omega. He does make you feel things in in big time matches, but I just I don't think that they're a great fit in terms of a storyline. I don't think that Omega and the Bucks can do the type of promos that Punk can do. And I no. think it would be a clash. But what, what do you think? What do you think? If 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 you're Tony Khan, the elite are saying they don't really want to work with him, but Punk saying he wants to come back. What's the answer in your eyes? Um. Well, the answer is Tony Khan being a leader and being a boss and showing showing his authority, right? <laughs> and, you know, just being a grown-up, you know? And the others, everyone else who's involved here, CM Punk, who's 44, Kenny Omega, who's late 30s. I think the Young Bucks, they're well, what are they, mid to late 30s? Yeah, I think, I think Nick is, let me just check the ages here, because Matt Jackson's slightly older, yeah. So Matt's 38. Okay. That'll make Nick 30. Oh, no, they're both 38. Both 38, right. Okay. All these people have been doing this for a very long time. They paid very well. Oh, no, sorry. Very, very, very quickly. Nick is 33. Sorry. Matt's 38. Nick's 33. All right. Okay. So Nick is a lot younger. Um, but, I mean, they've both been doing this, or they've all been doing this for a very long time. They paid very well for working a part-time schedule. CM Punk's paid very well for doing nothing at the moment. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, Tony Khan needs to get them all together in a room. Um, maybe they can have a conversation before they all get together in the room. <laughs> Hire some security if necessary. And <laughs> when they did that thing with um, with all the security, who was it separating it? And it was um, it was based on the Tyson Lennox Lewis thing, you know, where they had the security separating them in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> WWE, maybe they need something like that. Um, and basically, Tony Khan needs to tell them that they're all going to work together. They all need to, they need to have at least one match because people will demand it. If CM Punk returns, I saw the um, transcript of Dax Howard's podcast. He said that you know Punk misses pro wrestling and wants to come back. Well, if he wants to come back, he's got to come back with AEW because he's under contract. So there's only one option for him. That's AEW. So, I mean, I've said previously that I'm not interested in watching CM Punk wrestle Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks. And all, in all honesty, I'm not. My opinion hasn't changed on that. I don't think the match will be very good. I don't like the idea of it at all. But AEW fans will demand this match. So it has to take place. 
And all four of them need to find a way to reach a compromise, the big C, the C word, um, and work together for the good of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that simple. Um, and if CM Punk's willing to do it, then, you know, he's made the first step towards compromise. And Omega and the Young Bucks, who, as you pointed out, are EVPs, whatever that means, they need to set the example to the rest of the locker room that we really, you know, we've got heat with this guy. You know, we don't really want to work with him, but it's the best thing for the company. It's the best thing for the fans. So we are going to take the high road here. We're going to set the example. We are going to put the company before ourselves and we are going to do this thing. So, yeah, it does need to happen. Was it last two weeks they haven't even hit 900,000 viewers? Nope. For Dynamite? I mean, I think big part of that is MGF and Jungle Boy. I mean, come on. This is not a world title level program. I will, this- I will say, though, because last night we got the, the Derby and MGF stuff with Sting coming out. So okay. it feels like maybe, I mean, that Sting-MGF thing we want to happen could happen down the line. To me, though, I mean, the more that I've seen it play out, I was kind of at first thinking, I think the four-way could be a good thing to do because your big match at Double or Nothing would be Blackpool Combat Club and the Elite. But the more that it's played out, I'm kind of thinking, I would just do Derby and MJF because they had that great match at Full Gear 2021, I think it was, the opener of that pay-per-view, which people really enjoyed. And I think that that as a main event would be way more interesting than the four-way because I just don't think Jungle Boy is ready or Guevara for that matter. Yeah, I don't think either is main event level under any circumstances, even with a supportive crowd. I mean, I don't even, I think last night the ticket sales were like about 4,000 in attendance or maybe fewer. And it's just not drawing the numbers. And it's cooling MJF MJF off as well as a result. So, you know, there's, uh, but. Well, the problem is MJF's such a big heel that you, you need big baby faces. Sure. To, to go up against them. And I think, I'm not saying Punk would, would solve all the problems. But the thing I don't understand is that, and I, t- I, t- I do totally understand that if you're the elite, the last thing you want to do is work with this guy. The last thing. I understand how unprofessional he was. Yeah. I understand all of that. I don't disagree with it. And I also think it's actually, I mean, it's clever, but also really sneaky of Punk to be getting his message out there through Dax Harwood. Well, exactly. He's trying to babyface himself, isn't he? Yeah, he's trying to be like, I want to come back. Public opinion. Yeah. Court public opinion. I'm willing to do it. Why aren't you? So the heat's on them for not doing it. I understand all that and I don't disagree with it. But at the same time, here's the difference. If they were purely wrestlers, I'd say, yeah, why would you want to get involved with that? But you're supposed to be EVPs, which is like, I'll give an example. It's like me. So say I own part of Inside the Ropes, right? And there's a YouTube channel where I do interviews. And then, you know, you you start doing interviews, Finn, on the YouTube channel, right? And we find that your interviews are really popular. Well, while I personally might like to do interviews on my own, I'm also a business owner or a manager. So I have to accept that you being on there would be best for the business. So I would need to sort of give some of the stuff to you. So they are not just wrestlers, they are managers. So they should be thinking, well, CM Punk coming back ultimately would be what's best over what I personally want. Exactly. Therefore, and just do one just do just do one month of, of a feud, big match, and then move on. And exactly. 
It's like business for before ego, isn't it? Uh-huh. And it's like, well, are you businessmen? And and really, you know, this is Jim Cornette last year in the interview in which we talked about, you know, the post all out scrap in some depth. Um, he was just saying these guys are in the friends business. They're not serious about wrestling. They're not serious wrestlers. You know, it's uh, you know, it's all he called it was it old friends wrestling, and that's how it comes across. If they're not willing to put business before their personal feelings, and you know, they could have a program if they were to have a program with CM Punk and FTR. It's possible that it would be really well received. They would have to change their style, young books. They would have to do a different type of match. But I think it's something that could work really well. And I think all of them would grow as a perfor- grow as performers as a result of it. Um, I mean, the finish, that's a tricky one. I mean, who goes over? Um, but to me, the young, the young Bucks and Kenny Omega, as EVPs, should be setting the example. They're the ones who should be putting CM Punk and FTR over because Punk's been off TV since early September. And... Um, you know, he's the more popular star. Look at the ratings. They obviously need him. And I think if they were to do the job, I think it would, I think their respect rating, approval rating backstage would go up. It certainly would go up with people like me, not that that matters to the young folks <laughs> and Kenny Omega, but it's a general point. Yeah. I think people in the industry would look at them more favorably and they say, these guys are there, they're there for business. Even Jim Cornette would have to compliment them. <laughs> Which would be a really, you know, I mean, but the, the the other thing that I think that the, the Bucks and Omega would totally, in my mind, have a right to do is to say to Tony Khan, "Look, we're willing to do business here because we're EVPs. However, in return, you need to manage CM Punk way better than you did the last time." Exactly. So, I, I mean, again, I, I go back to what we're saying about Jeff Hardy. There needs mm-hmm. to be boundaries with CM Punk. He can't behave like that, and there needs to be a conversation and a, you know peace pipe smoking, you know, session between Hangman Adam Page and CM Punk as well. They need to resolve this. But, I mean, this is the thing with Tony Khan. You know, he's, what's, what is, this requires high-level diplomacy to make this happen. And well, it's, like, it's like you've got two, you've got two sides. You've got Vince McMahon, who's on one extreme of management where it's like dictator. And then you've got Tony Khan, who's on the other side, who's like trying to be the nice guy. Yeah. And like he has got a lot of nice quotes, which he should be commended for. You know, he let Dustin Rhodes be in the Dusty Rhodes documentary. That was a really nice thing to do, to let Dustin talk about his dad. And it didn't really affect AEW, so he was actually being the bigger person and letting that happen. Yeah. When he could have been really petty and not, he was donating five grand to Bushwhacker Butch's GoFundMe. You know, he does a lot of good things. So I don't think he comes from a place of malice. But oh, I, no. No, I don't think he does either. But I do think he needs to kind of go, right, Based on this punk situation, which, you know, I'm sure if you were to speak to him off the record and he was just sitting having a beer, he could tell you why he did what he did and why he thought that would be the best thing to do. But, you know, what's your line about you you need to learn from the, you know, past thingies affect future? You've got a line that you use, Finn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, past Past performance usually determines future behavior or something like that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and that's that's what it is. You know, he has to now kind of go with, you know, so punks want, if Punk wants to come back, yeah, that's great, but it does need to be like, look, I can't have you going on national TV 
and and do it. And if you see someone go off script, like Hangman Page, you come to me and I'll deal with that. And I'll make sure that is, you know, the, we'll, we'll put that fire out immediately. Yeah, there will be a punishment for that kind of action from yeah. anybody. So if you if that happens to you again, you tell me and it'll, it'll you know that person will be dealt with. But yeah, he's got to he's. But again, I mean, I do think if you does you know if you go on Twitter or you you know read forums or whatever, then yeah, this is like the biggest juicy gossip of the decade, right? You know, we all talk about it. We're all you know fascinated by it. But if you're just talking about punters in the in the arena. They want to see CM Punk. Yes. That's it. At the end of the day, and they want to see the Young Bucks and they want to see Kenny Omega. So figure it out behind the scenes and make it happen. Um, and again, EVPs. Is, yeah. Is the thing that I think is crucial here. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Just finally, Kenny, if Omega and the Young Bucks refuse to go along with this, strip them of their EVP status and just say, well, okay, when your contracts expire, you know, you'll need to find work elsewhere. And Tony Khan needs to be tough. You know, there's a way of doing, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's what was actually a line that Jim Cornette used in a 1993 Superstars of Wrestling interview, which <laughs> right. was, uh, yes, I ran Smoky, Ma- Smoky Mountain with an iron hand, but it was encased in a velvet glove. That was a storyline <laughs> where he took over. And I think Tony Khan just needs to be tougher. And he needs to install discipline, but not in a way where people, you know, walking around, you're terrified, you know, <laughs> like like they have been and possibly are in WWE today. But he just needs to let people know that you have to stick to the script. And if yes. you don't, there will be consequences and it will cost you. Yeah. 100%. And once people, once that message has been driven home, I think it'd be a better work, more professional working environment for everyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, as I said, Punk versus Omega and the Young Bucks does not really appeal to me as a match, but it absolutely does need to take place if Punk returns. And I hope Punk does return to AEW because they need him. Yeah. And do you know what? We will be the first people, if the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega do, you know, do it and adapt to him and all that, I think, they, I think they'll deserve a ton of credit for doing that because... You know that's that's the bigger thing to do, and it is. It yeah. is. That's it. To me, it's the only thing to do, and um, just get on with it. Let's you know, let's get to work. Last, last thing, very quickly before we go, Finn, because I wanted to get your take on this because it's so ridiculous. So Ric Flair is annoyed. Ric Flair is upset <laughs> at the placement of the WrestleMania Night One main event. He's not happy whatsoever. Um, and he wants to know why we've broken from tradition and had the tag team titles in the main event when uh, the women should have been main event. Now, is there, a, is there a slight bit of bias there in his in his opinion here? I mean, possibly. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> cast aspersions. <laughs> um, oh, I, I love the delusion of Rick. But that's actually not the last thing I want to ask you about. I was just joking. Oh, the last man. thing, which is just so good. I mean, you know what? Just quickly, Kenny. Uh, I cannot believe... The fact that Ric Flair can even show his face or speak in public after that fiasco of an induction speech for the great Mooter at the Hall of Fame tells me how little self-awareness this man has. Zero. 
Because then he go he he went on to say on his podcast, and I, I know that you know we we ran it on the website and stuff, so you know we're just as culpable. But like he did say the line, ninety nine percent of the audience didn't know who Great Muta was, and it's like, but your job was to make them know exactly. And instead, you banged on about all this random stuff. Let me tell you about what I did in Japan. No, tell us about the Great Muta and what he did in Japan and WCW and in different places. I mean, but, he's wrestled everywhere, hasn't he? You know, that's why like, years ago, maybe like 2015, 2016, you know, I think there was there was an idea to do a tour with Ric Flair. It, it never, I, never, I never negotiated far enough in it for it to be a thing that happened. But the, the two things that stopped at were, number one, I'd heard horror stories about, you know, the promoter is expected to pay for everything. Everything. Bar yeah. tabs, etc. But the other thing was, I was like, would he open up to me because he's very cagey in opening up to people? But now, even if like you were to go, okay, Ric Flair is willing to do a UK tour, I don't think Ric Flair knows knows the truth from the fiction anymore. I think he's getting to Hogan territory of just he changes he changes what he says by the day. The only yeah. thing that's the certain and the absolute is that he will defend Charlotte. No matter yes. what. But the last thing I wanted to ask you about was just very, very funny, very quickly. So Bubba the Love Sponge, I can't believe you're bringing <laughs> this guy up in 2023, he decided yesterday to release an un to, to publish an unreleased interview from the Bubba the Love Sponge radio show right after Bash at the Beach 2000. And um I wanna just oh, read wow. you I, I wanna read you the uh the quote from Hogan. Which is okay. just great. So obviously, you know, there's the whole thing here about Russo, um, you know, Russo coming out and calling him a piece of shit and all that. So here's what uh, here's what Hogan said in terms of using his creative control to dispute the finish between him and Jarrett. Um, but he said he expected trouble. He said, "Go out to the ring, bro, and I'm predicting trouble. I don't know if some of the boys might run out there." So I've got my gimmicks on me. I got the half inch sword, the quarter inch sword, the two inch sword. <laughs> You know, can go anywhere from 10 stitches to 500 stitches, depending on how bad I want to pull it. I'm thinking old school. I'm thinking the shit's on now. Anything could happen. <laughs> Bubba says, where did you hide the blades, brother? And Hogan says, I kept two in my mouth and one on my wrist. So I'm just being cool about this thing. But I'm not an idiot. I'm covering my ass. I mean, it's, it's insane. But this was, this was what he said on a national radio show in the year 2000. Mm. Well, I, I imagine what happened was he did the interview, maybe communicated to his lawyer that he'd done the interview, and the lawyer probably said, that cannot go out. Because <laughs> we are suing WCW, which he did, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. So, <laughs> well, that cannot ever... Well, actually, it's all right now because it's nearly 23 years later. Yeah. Um, at the time, until we settle this thing, this cannot be broadcast. <laughs> so, oh, it's, trem- it's tremendous, isn't it? So I mean, good. apparently, you know, I have heard this many times, and this is true, that back in the old days, wrestlers would hide blades, it would keep blades in the mouths. Oh, yeah, when, when you, when you thought happened. there'd be an actual... Yeah, when you thought there'd be an actual problem. Yeah. You, know, you thought there'd be an issue, but not Bash at the Beach 2000. No. I mean... You know, this is Hogan, and he doesn't know what's real anymore. I don't think he's known for many, many years. No. And I just think that 
he imagines things, you know, maybe like dreams things and wakes up in the morning and decides, well, yeah, I'm just going to include that in the next story that I tell. (laughs) Things that have happened to other people. And then he just attributes the credits out to himself. Um, But I mean, it was a strange, I'm not going to go into what happened at Bachelor Bleach 2000 because I still don't, to this day, I still don't really understand it. I still don't understand what happened or what was supposed to happen. And All nobody I gives know, you a straight story. Nobody gives you the straight no. story on what, even from what their side happened. It's like they're still holding it back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is one of the things I was going to quiz Vince Russo about, but we didn't mm-hmm. quite get to that part of the interview. <laughs> Can you imagine what Bill, Bill he would have thought up for that one? Well, I mean, I was really, I mean, you know, this is the thing. I mean, I'm not going to bang on about it because I've talked about it before. It's so many interesting questions for Vince Russo. And I didn't get to really answer, really ask any of them. And he didn't answer, answer them because obviously we didn't get to ask them because the interview went completely off the rails. But I mean, I would have loved to have talked to him about that. I know he has spoke about it in the past, but I mean, to me, I would have preferred it if we could have really, you know, discussed it on a deeper level, but... I mean, that probably, wouldn't have, that probably wouldn't have been possible, let's be honest. No. Um, and you I, don't know. I mean, Hogan just makes these things up. It's what he does. And this was him in 2000, not even recent years. It shows you how long he's been shoveling shit out of his mouth. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, the thing with the Russo thing, I'll say again, it's the sad thing is you were going to give him a really balanced interview. And yes. actually, you know, show the complexities of him as a, as a, as a writer, as a whatever, and he... He chose to to take the low road, which is what he's done his entire career. But yeah. anyway, uh, listen, we're going to head off now. We'll be back on uh, Patreon this weekend with the overrun. Where we're going to take some uh, questions that didn't quite make the magazine, but we're going to tackle probably this week and next week on the overrun. So do head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash inside the rope. So Finn, I hope that by next week when we speak, there's no need for the granny blanket. There's no need for the thermal gloves. <laughs> well maybe, exactly maybe a t-shirt and jeans and a smile on your face this time next week Kenny I, I, like the rest of the country I'll be complaining about how hot it is <laughs> we would, we're a nation of complainers you know oh, that's what we like to do just, anyway thank you for listening everybody and we'll talk to you soon Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.